Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. Today's topic, Project Blue Book. Now, I found this article on mentalfloss.com. It's written by Lucas Riley from January 28th, 2019. And the title is Nine Facts About Project Blue Book, the Government's Top Secret UFO Program. Now, Blue Book's something we've all kind of heard about, and it's just part of the UFO phenomena lore. So I thought this would be cool to look at. The article starts off, it says, between 1952 and 1969, the U.S. Air Force conducted a series of studies on UFO sightings called Pro- Project Blue Book. Not only is there a new History Channel series about the program, this year also marks the 50th anniversary of the project's termination. Get to know the security program better. Well, if you stop to think about that, 1952 to 1969, 17 years is quite a long while, actually, for the government to uh, be investigating UFOs, and we can only imagine what they uh, found out and haven't told us. Now, the very first uh, point here uh, starts off number one. Project Blue Book wasn't the government's first UFO study. In 1947, a private pilot named Kenneth Arnold reportedly spotted nine glowing UFOs zooming over Washington's Mount Rainier. The public went wild for the so-called flying saucers. Shortly after the U.S. government launched Project Sign, it's S-I-G-N, to determine if such objects were a threat, in 1948, Project Sign purportedly published a document called the Estimate of the Situation, which suggested that extraterrestrials were a possible explanation for UFO sightings. As the story goes, Air Force officials destroyed the document and launched a more skeptical investigation in the late 1940s called Project Grudge. Blue Book came a few years later. <laughs> I suppose if you're working on Project Grudge, and uh, you know the first project was pro-UFO-ET uh, possibility. The name of your project should probably give you an idea of where your expectations land. Okay, point number two. The estimate of the situation was inspired by a mind-boggling event. In the 1960s, Air Force officials denied that the estimate of the situation document ever existed. Those who vouch for its authenticity, however, say the report was inspired by a 1948 UFO sighting in Alabama after two experienced pilots saw a torpedo-shaped glowing object zip past their aircraft and rocket into the clouds. The report shocked and baffled many of Project Science researchers, the scientist would later claim the sighting was consistent with a bolide or bright meteor. Point number three. Blue Book was named after a college testing staple. Whether UFOs are extraterrestrial in origin is debatable. 
What's undeniable is that during the 1950s, people routinely spotted, or thought they spotted, objects flying over the United States, and it was the and it was the onus of the U.S. military to figure out what they were and whether they posed any danger. Blue Book would earn its name because, as the time at the time, Air Force officials equated studying the phenomena with preparing for a collegiate Blue Book final exam. Interesting. Officials developed a special protocol for handling UFO sightings. A central part of Project Blue Book was the creation of a standardized questionnaire for UFO sightings. Some sample prompts. It says, draw a picture that will show the shape of the object or objects. What was the condition of the sky? Did the object suddenly speed up and rush away at any time? Change shape, flicker, throb, or pulsate? Eventually, every U.S. Air Force base ended up designating a special officer to collect these UFO reports. So we can see here how the uh, investigation, or at least the reporting of the UFOs, was evolving over time, and how they, the military at least was taking an interest in it, and they were analyzing reports, and they were developing a methodology to report UFOs. All the while saying they didn't exist, by the way. Thousands of reports were collected, and some haven't been explained. This is the fifth point. By the time Project Blue Book was closed, officials had gathered 12,618 UFO reports. Of those, 701 were never explained. Well, let's just stop and consider of how many times we've heard explanations such as swamp gas, Venus, uh, distant lights. So you can imagine of these 701 that were never explained, there probably were quite a few more that were never explained, but were just brushed off with the uh, canned explanations they had at hand. So when they tell me that 701 reports were not explained, under the conditions these reports were made, and the way that they were uh, more or less just doomed to, to failure to begin with, that tells me these 701 reports must have really been outstanding UFO reports that were just where the evidence was so in your face that they just couldn't uh, turn away from it. It goes on and says, Nearly half of those unidentified UFOs appeared in 1952 when a whopping 1,501 UFOs were sighted. Interestingly, that following year, it became a crime for military personnel to discuss classified UFO reports with the public the risk of breaking the law could mean up to two years imprisonment. It's also interesting. Why would you need to classify a UFO report if UFOs don't exist? And it just tells you that UFOs certainly must exist, and the government government must know this, or they wouldn't be classifying the information, number one, and they wouldn't be threatening um, people from the military with prison for talking about it. Point number six they bring out here in the article. Project Blue Book saw five leadership changes. Each person in command saw the purpose of Project Blue Book differently. Captain Edward J. Ruppelt, for example, treated the job as a serious scientific quest and is often lauded as the project's most impartial leader. Notably, he is responsible for coining the term 
UFO. Major Hector Quintella, who took over the project in 1963, was more interested in turning Blue Book into a PR front and focused on quelling the public's interest in UFOs, a desire that would eventually lead to changes of a government that would eventually lead to change to charges of a government cover-up. Well, what I see here and the difference between these two Project Blue Book leaders is just a movement from transparency to um, non-disclosure, basically. Um, the military is probably understanding that these UFO sightings, the data they generate, has value, and it's value that they don't want to share with the public. So they start to, uh, first off, pretend like the data has no value. They're talking it down, um, trying to delegitimize it, and then at the same time, they're they're uh, engaging, as I said, in non-disclosure, and they're making sure that they control the narrative. And at that time. Uh, the thing for them to do, the narrative was to say that uh, UFO sightings are, are fake and people that see them are, uh, are crazy. So that's kind of where it headed to. It goes on here, it says, number seven, Blue Book made such bad scientific mistakes that Congress had to get involved. In 1965, Oklahoma police, the Tinker Air Force Base, and a local meteorologist using weather radar independently tracked four unexplained flying objects. Under Quintanilla's advisement, Project Blue Book would claim that these witnesses had simply observed the planet Jupiter. The problem with this explanation, Jupiter wasn't even visible in the night sky. The Air Force must have had its star finder upside down during August, Robert Reiser, an Oklahoma planetarium director, said at the time. A series of more badly botched scientific explanations eventually led to a congressional hearing. Well, you can see what's happened here. This military project, Blue Book, I mean, they just got apparently so comfortable with hiding the truth from the public that they began to just create fantastical lies to explain away the UFOs. And this is where the whole thing of arrogance comes in. It's the first signs of what we talk about, this breakaway society, where one group of people has the working knowledge of what's going on, while they completely deny that to the other group. This fellow running Blue Book probably felt that he was so important, and that he was on a need-to-know basis, and that the rest of society was not on a need-to-know basis. Therefore, when they reported four uh, UFOs moving across the sky, and they had them on radar... He didn't care. He didn't care what they thought. He just said, hey man, that's Jupiter. Leave me alone. He's so comfortable in his own knowledge of the UFO phenomena and his position of power that he doesn't feel like he has to entertain questions from other people about this whole UFO thing. Therefore, he doesn't. It's as if he's talking to a small child. And we see this over and over again in government. People ask legitimate questions about UFOs, whether it's about missing people in international parks, whether it's about cattle mutilations, whether it's about abductee experiences or implants that have been removed from people. People have serious questions. And what did they receive from the government? They received answers that are deserving to a child. So they're talked down to. Our own government talks to us like we're children. And we can see this happening 
with this whole blue book thing. Now it goes on, it says, number eight, the project's desire to dismiss unidentified phenomena bothered its sole scientist. Wow. Let's just stop and think about that for one second. It's sole scientist, it's only scientist. So you're doing a scientific investigation of the UFO phenomena, but you only employ one scientist? Wouldn't you want to have more than one scientist on staff on this 17-year project if you're doing a scientific investigation? Seems like it. Project Blue Book had one consistent scientific consultant, astronomer Dr. J. Allen Hynek. In 1986, Hynek wrote, The staff of Blue Book, both, excuse me, 1968, Hynek wrote, The staff of Blue Book, both in numbers and in scientific training, is grossly inadequate. There is virtually no scientific dialogue between Blue Book and the outside scientific world. The statistical methods employed by Blue Book are nothing less than a travesty. Heineck held Quintanilla in particularly low regard, saying Quintanilla's method was simple. Disregard any evidence that was counter to his hypothesis. Well, there you go. Sounds like he was the king of debunkers. The original debunker. No matter what somebody tells you, just deny it. Point number nine. In 2007, a new government inquiry into UFOs was launched. Between 2007 and 2012, the U.S. government spent $22 million on a new UFO study called the Advanced Aviation Threat Identification Program. Nowadays, UFOs are called UAPs, or Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. Well, they're called that by some people. You can watch one here, and it has a link. This January, more than three dozen of the program studies became publicly available, revealing the government's interest in everything from warp drives to invisibility cloaks. And then below that, there's another article, uh, a couple more, a couple more here on this site, mentalfloss.com. They kind of just end abruptly there with the whole point of uh, ATEP. Now, if you've been listening to the program, um, you can you can go ahead and 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 find out some more stuff uh, about what ATIP was about. Uh, you can you can uh, we all know how uh, ATIP's former head now works for Tom DeLonge, and then the government comes out and says, "No, we don't know this guy." So we get right back into the same sketchy routine that we have with Blue Book. Uh, the government claims to be trying to solve the mystery uh, surrounding the uh, whole thing about UFOs. But what we see over and over again is that there's little to no transparency. There's little to no disclosure. And even when these projects like Blue Book or ATIP do find out something significant, they want to dribble it out through their chosen sources, just like we saw with a Tic Tac UFO. It wasn't posted on a government website somewhere for everybody to use and see or whatever. It was given to a former ATIP employee who then sticks the watercolor mark of his company on it, TSSA, and it's disseminated to the public through a private company. 
that's what we see happening over and over again with government research, whether it's Blue Book, ATIP, whatever. When we do come up with usable UFO data, it's not released to the public. Instead, it's given to private corporations which can monetize that data and control the narrative any way they see fit. But the important part about this article is it shows that this has been going on for a long, long time, at least since 1952 and even before 1952. This is a pattern that we see with government and UFO investigations over and over and over again. Personally, I think it's because the UFO data from these investigations is so valuable that the people doing the investigating, they recognize that and they want to keep it for themselves. Another aspect could be that they see the reality of this thing and they're afraid. They're afraid of what it could do as far as the power structure on this planet is concerned and in effect displacing them as the decision makers and they're afraid of what would happen if the rest of society knew what they already know. The fact is, if we're going to have any kind of real UFO investigation, it's going to have to come on an individual grassroots label level. And with the internet here now, anybody is able to do their own UFO research and post those results online, just like I'm posting this podcast right now, sharing that information, sharing uh, different strategies, and sharing our own analysis of the UFO phenomenon, not having to depend upon an authority figure to tell us what to believe, but 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 creating our own beliefs. That's the important thing, and that's what the Internet offers us. Now, once again, that article was on mentalfloss.com, and it was back in 2018. You can check it out. Uh, hope everybody had a Merry Christmas, and until next time, this is UFO Warning saying over and out.